You're tuned into the COVID-19 Community Report here on KDRT-LP 95.7 FM in Davis, California. I'm Autumn Labbe Renault, and today's Tuesday, March 9th, 2021, and this is episode 55. We're sharing local news and resources focusing on what's impacting Davis and nearby cities in Yolo County during the COVID-19 pandemic. This month, I've been focusing on the return to in-person instruction in the Davis Trent Unified School District. I've interviewed administrators, teachers, parents, and I've been wrapping up the series speaking with students from various grades throughout the DJUSD. Today, you'll hear from Emmy Dunning and Danielle Engoto, both high school seniors at Davis High School, and their interviews conclude this series. Usually I read about five minutes worth of news before I go into the interviews, but due to the length of the interviews and wanting to hear directly from the students, we're gonna cut straight to the chase, enjoy. Some of the biggest impacts during the pandemic have been felt by our school communities. At the start of the pandemic, learning was temporarily disrupted and for the better part of the last year, schools, teachers, students, and their families have all had to learn how to work within a distance learning framework. I've recorded many firsthand accounts about how challenging this time has been, and I wanted to make sure that right now we're talking directly to students. This week I'm speaking with high school students who, in addition to weathering the pandemic, are keenly aware of the social and political divisiveness in our nation and our community. In short, it's been a lot to deal with. Joining me now is Emmy Dunning, a senior at Davis Senior High School. I want to welcome you, Emmy, and thanks for joining me. No problem. Okay, I'm guessing it's fair to say that you are not having the senior year you might have once envisioned, and I look forward to hearing more about that. First, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so uh, I'm Emmy. I've grown up in Davis, uh, been in the DJUSD system my whole life. Uh, I have three siblings, all who live at home, uh, and I'm a 17-year-old senior at Davis Senior High School. Great, thank you. It's been almost a year that we've been in the pandemic. Can you think back to last March when the news first broke that we had to shut things down? What was it like to find out that you couldn't go to campus for the foreseeable future? Yeah, so I remember actually in the couple weeks leading up to schools being shut down, there was a lot of kind of rumors and chat about what was going to happen and when it was going to happen, but none of us could have ever foreseen uh, the extent of what would happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the week or the day that we got the call, um, I had actually stayed home and we got a call from the school letting us know that we wouldn't be back for at least the month. And it was kind of although we knew it was probably coming for at least a short period of time, it was kind of shocking to realize that it had become a reality when we were just kind of speculating about it. Right. And doesn't last March seem like more than a year ago? It's, it sure does to me. Yeah, it feels like a year ago and also last week. Yeah. So those first few months, everyone had to get used to doing school online. What's that process been like for you? Yeah, so last year was very different than this year. Um, my teachers and all of my classmates and I had gone into it with no training of how to do any type of online school, mm -hmm. uh, no framework really for how to do it. 
Um, so most of my classes were optional. I tried to come to as many in-person classes as I could, um, but we had in-person instruction probably once a week. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think for most students, it was just about finishing the year and not as much about really diving into learning as much as we would have liked to, which was difficult. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I know. I've heard from teachers too, how hard it was from their perspective too. All right, walk us through a typical school day for you these days? Yeah, so I usually wake up around 7, 7.30, which I never would have done starting at 8.15 in person in high school, uh, which has been kind of nice. Um, get ready for school, log on to uh, my two Zoom classes. I'm a senior, so I only have two classes this semester. Mm -hmm. um, both classes are very engaging. My teachers do a great job of really trying to keep us engaged and making sure we learn uh, despite all of the restrictions. Um, after school, I usually work on homework for a little bit, make lunch, and then sometimes I'll be able to hang out with my friends outside social distance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll be able to go on a Zoom call with them. But overall, a lot more lounging around uh, free time that I wouldn't necessarily like to have. Hmm. Interesting. What have you missed most during this time? So I said earlier, you're not having the senior year you might have envisioned. And we all know senior year is filled with, you know, activities and, and goodbyes and getting ready for what comes next. What do you feel like you're, you're missing out on right now? Yeah, I think that definitely the biggest thing that I and all of my friends have kind of agreed that has been really hard is uh, just a lack of personal connection and a lack of closeness to each other. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been inside any of my friends' houses since last March, and it's just been really weird to not have that connection that we've kind of always had, yeah. um, especially in a time where we know that in a few months, we're all going to be kind of going our separate ways. Um, so it's just, it feels like a really big loss, but there's not really much we can do about it. Right. And, you know, I, I remember with my kids too, teenagers have this habit of kind of puppy piling on, on top of each other, right? There's a physicality to, to teen friendships. And you've already described that you're seeing your friends outside and distant, or you're seeing your friends on Zoom. So are, are you missing that, you know, that physical connection with friends? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's definitely difficult. It's obviously really nice that I am able to connect with friends in some way, um, but it's definitely not the same. And it's uh, sometimes more difficult than others to days to kind of um, hang out with friends, social distance and not feel um, like we're losing something. Yeah. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to a lot of people about the the, the reopening of, of schools. And I, I know that schools are, are open. And so what I mean is in-person or hybrid instruction. And I, I've talked to school administrators, I've talked to uh, teachers, and I've talked to parents. But the reason I'm doing these, these interviews this week is I'd really like to know how you are feeling about that. So again, you're a high school senior. Would you like to, and are you willing to go back this spring if that's the decision to finish out your year in person? What are your thoughts on that, Amy? Yeah, so I, I mean, obviously I 
don't know uh, one teacher and none of my friends, and I'm pretty sure most students would love to go back today if they made an announcement that it was safe to go back today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important uh, to kind of think about as much as I would love to go back and see all of my friends and uh, have as close to a normal end of my senior year as possible. I think that at this point, it's definitely not safe. And I think that it's it would be irresponsible to put my needs of wanting to go back to have kind of maybe a semblance of a normal year over the health of people in our community. Um, I think that if things can be done safely to have some sort of in-person hybrid either this year if it's possible or certainly next year if uh, vaccines are more widespread Mm -hmm. that we should do everything we can to try to make that possible but I think that pushing for in-person or hybrid instruction without putting a priority on safety is really detrimental and uh, won't work in the long term. Okay this this I'm, I'm we're getting down to the last couple of questions and this is maybe a challenging one but you know your generation many years from now when when people my age aren't going to be around you're going to be asked what you remember about this time this pandemic year year and a half what do you think will stand out for you um I think as hard as it's been to be away from my friends I think that especially in the first few months where my family was really basically confined to our house and uh, going on walks, I was able to become a lot closer with my parents and my siblings. Uh, I mean, we've always had a really good relationship, but just being close to each other for so long, Mm -hmm. I feel like I developed a really good relationship with all of them, which I'm really thankful for, especially um, being about to leave. It's been really nice to have kind of that extra time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think kind of on the other side of things, I think that I'll remember just a lot of a feeling of just disappointment and kind of having that throughout these past 11 months where there's moments of joy and happiness, but there's a lot of time of just kind of realizing everything we've lost and kind of how tragic and awful everything that we as a society are kind of going through right now. Yeah, it's been such a hard and strange time. All right, let, let's end this on a happy note. Again, since you're a senior, what are your hopes and plans for next year post high school? Um, so I hope to go to a four-year university. Um, I am going to stay on the West Coast, but um, I am hoping to maybe go to one of the UCs or uh, maybe Oregon or Oregon State, but uh, hopefully stay close to home, but be able to branch out a little bit uh, and maybe explore a little bit more of the world. I suspect if you became a duck, that would make uh, your dad very happy. (laughs) (laughs) a duck or a beaver. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to, uh, I I know since it's February, that means you're probably smack in the middle of college applications right now. So I really want to thank you for making time to talk to me and uh, share your thoughts. I'm, I'm very happy to have that time with you. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you.
As I've mentioned earlier, I've recorded many firsthand accounts about how challenging this time has been, and I wanted to make sure we're hearing directly from students. Our high school students in particular are well aware of the extraordinary times we're living in, and their lives are touched not only by the pandemic, but the nexus of social and political uprising, accelerated climate change, and a nationwide culture of divisiveness. Joining me now is Danielle Ngoto. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you for joining me. Could you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? Um, hello, everyone. As you said, I'm Danielle Ngoto. I'm a Davis High School senior. I'm 18 years old. I come from an immigrant family who has recently immigrated as of 2018 to the States, and I'm a member of DSU who loves to keep his activist um, role and try to help the progression of society little by little. And I'm just here to give you guys my unapologetically unfiltered opinion and unapologetically Black opinion about my experience through the pandemic thus far. Great, thank you so much. All right, first we're gonna talk a little bit about the pandemic in general. So it, you know, it's been almost a year. Can you think back to when the news first broke and we had to shut things down in the middle of March last year? What did it feel like to find out you couldn't go to campus for the foreseeable future? And you were a junior then, correct? Yes, um, so there were two initial reactions. The first initial reaction was, Oh dear God, I'm so happy because I had some AP um, tests that were going to be done. I think there was like ACT testing. So it's like all this pressure that was building up. And I was like, now that I have an excuse not to do any of that, I'm so happy, so grateful. But immediately as soon as I had that train of thought, yeah. um, what also started happening was, you know, I started spiraling and you could almost realize like, oh my goodness, after this point, everything is unpredictable. And everything that was so tangible before just seemed to be so hard to grasp control of. And it was just kind of like someone just pulled the rug absolutely without any regard of your safety or anything, just absolutely underneath you. And everything else was just out of control. And so it was just a whirlwind of emotion, a bunch of confusion, and never really knowing where you stand and how things are going to be for the future. There was no safeguard, no safety net. Yeah. And it was just, it was just like a bunch of fish scrambling for air. Mm. Wow. And here we are almost a, a year later. So right now, can you tell us what a, a typical school day is like for you? Um, so a typical school day for me will start around like 6 a.m. I wake up, I get in a good workout, motivational, like dancing. I'll be listening to some Afro beats or some karamba, um, you know, some some stuff from Haiti just to get myself in the mindset to go to school because if I don't, what just happens is I feel this heavy depressive episode just fall on me the entire day and I just don't want to get up. I don't want to be productive. And the urge in Zoom classes, you know, to just have another device right there and, you know, hit up Netflix, Hulu or whatever <laughs> just to distract you from the pain of what's going on. Yeah. It's it's a hard urge to fight so when I get up early get myself motivated get myself going make myself a healthy oatmeal breakfast with some fruits in there and I try to be as attentive and present as possible in all my classes 
even though I do all these things and I have gotten better about it, it is still hard because there's a part of me that's just kind of like, why are we doing all of this for, especially since the future at this stage is not guaranteed and you don't honestly know what is to be predicted of the future. You don't really know what's going to happen. So it's kind of feeling as if I'm just doing something for no reason and there's no actual cause for it. So it's kind of like you're in a feeling of hopelessness and you're just trying to get yourself up and going again. Yeah, that's heavy. And I appreciate you keeping it real too. You know, I, I've been really looking forward to speaking with you. During the this past year, I've interviewed all these people, right? And they've generally fallen into two camps. There are those who feel cut off from what they can normally do and they feel like they're not busy enough. And the flip side of that is people who have found themselves doing even more than before. From the, the little bit I know about you so far, you fall into that last camp. You've really been a community organizer during this time and you started a podcast. So, and you've been working on ethics, bringing ethnic studio, uh, ethic studies to, um, to campus. So let's talk about each of those in turn. Um, what should we know about the Black Student Union, BSU at Davis High School and what's your role there? Um, so at Davis High School, um, the Black Student Union, I am one of the Black Student Union heads along with my other colleagues called the Julian and Dara. Mm-hmm. And we all try to work with the advancement and educational equity of all Black students on the DJ USD um, school um, district. And at the same time, just for any person who feels as if they are needing to be represented and seen. So I'll, I'll, what BSU has been doing with the Black um, Screen Experience, which I initially started, is to be a podcast to help the mental health of Black youth and Black students specifically, because I have noticed right now everything and with, no, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement happening, you know, being so pushed to the forefront last year, you know, it didn't start happening last year, but you know, it was pushed to the forefront mm-hmm. and people got exposed to it at that point. It kind of took a toll on, I'm, I know personally my mental health because it was a lot of this information being thrown at people. And I always, I had to play the role of the Black encyclopedia in a lot of conversations. Yeah. And not just that, but at some point I was feeling as if um, xenophobic attacks for me being foreign were becoming more occurrent. And at the same time, anti-Blackness and those kind of sentiments were being very exaggerated and now pushed out more by people and the people who are, you know, covert racist now became overt at the same time, you know, we really got to see performative activism happen. And I've always said this before, you know, Black people need therapy just for being Black and living in this world. Now imagine having to be Black and living in such a, you know, controversial time as it was last year, and it still is right now. It's been something that's actually a lot to deal with. And I was like, we need a platform where we can have Black voices, Black experiences, and Black truths being spoken, unapologetically so, just so that we have a a community of connectivity that people understand that I've gone through that experience and I haven't gone through it alone. There's another Black person out there who's done that, 
and who's lived that just to make us feel connected in this time that we're so isolated from, mm -hmm. you know, physical community and that kind of human interaction and that intimacy we can get from it. And I really hope I can keep going on with Black Student Union and the Black student experience as long as we find more fresh Black voices to put onto this platform and to speak their truth and their experiences. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Black screen experience. Um, so I I found and followed um, BSU uh, DHS on Instagram recently, and I and that's how I discovered Black screen experience. So it's a podcast. I I think there's a point to having a black screen. I think that's about representation. Can you tell us a little more? Um, so the initial reason we had the black screen was because of just the, we know that as black people, we are very multifaceted and a non, a group that is not monolithic. And simultaneously, we are aware that there are privileges in one's palatability and one's digestibility to the white gaze. So the, what the black screen does is it creates a level of anonymity that protects the black consciousness behind that screen, allows them to break down and be vulnerable and to be seen and just for their audio and raw emotion to mm -hmm. be heard and conceived by the masses and for them not to be stricken off or judged just because they are not compatible or because the world is not ready to hear this truth from that person who has that aesthetic. So yes. the reason I chose that black screen is because I want to remove people's ability to, you know, divisively remove our features and try to use them against us because at the end of the day, we're all black. So the black screen creates this unifying anonymity between all of us and just allows for our raw conscious experiences to be expressed and for people to be able to connect with that. At the same time, I'm trying to bring on a good new definition to Black because Black has been always stigmatized as to have negative connotation in literary um, analysis. So what this does now is there's this Black screen and in that Black screen, when you watch the you're watching the podcast, if you look directly at it, you see yourself, you see a reflection of yourself. So when you hear these words coming out of a screen and you're just looking at that screen and you can only see yourself, mm -hmm. I want it to play back in your consciousness and make you think, have I done something that has made someone live this, this kind of life? Have I done something that has perpetuated anti-Blackness to hurt this community? And how can I grow as a person myself to better understand the Black experience? So there's just like, you know, all these little nuances that I'm trying to put into a very simple yet complex Black screen. I see. Okay, thank you for explaining that. And for listeners, uh, it is a relatively new uh, podcast. And so far, Danielle has covered um, being Black in speech and debate, being Black and disabled. And I think there's a, a third one you have out too about uh, darker skinned and lighter skinned Black girls talking to each other. Is that right? Yes, um, that one is initially based off of like, you know, colorism and how yeah. there is 
not just a color hierarchy in the black community, but how it is a sub, you know, it's uh, created from the external white gaze and the gaze of whiteness and how people who are more Afrocentric or those who are more um, white adjacent or white appealing have privileges within not just our community, but the masses as a general and how that allows upwards social economic mobility as well as all these equitable results that one is able to get um, looking lighter and wider. And I didn't want to restrict the conversation to just, you know, Black girls. So hopefully we're going to have a Black male speak on that because that is an experience that both community, um, both sexes experience. Yes. And it is something that harms us both individually and at the same time intersectionally when we are in conversations with one another. So yeah, the one that, the recent third one that we have right now is based on black women's experiences with colorism and hopefully right. there'll be one on black men and there'll be an interchangeable connect um, conversation occurring between black men and black women and how colorism hurt both of us okay. at the same time and how we should all just stop perpetuating it. Right. Well, we're, believe it or not, we're at the end of our time. And I, I want to make mention of one, one thing real quickly. And I have one final question for you. Um, I want to make mention that you are part of the effort to bring an ethnic studies curriculum uh, to the Davis Trent Unified School District. Uh, this segment will air on March 9th. We're actually recording it earlier than that. And, and so um, it, hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. But I did want to mention that you're involved with that. And then finally, because you're a senior, uh, and I know it's February, it may be too early to ask this, but what are your hopes and plans for next year for yourself? For next year, I hope to go to university. I haven't really decided if it's two-year or four-year. That's yet to be decided. Hopefully, earliest decision will come in like early April. Mm -hmm. But I want to start doing things more out there for my community so next year i plan to start my own individual podcast on youtube mainly focusing on the black experience and me having these conversations with people and being able to reach out to the masses so what i'm going to do is take on from what i learned from my um producing the black student experience and take that and you know hopefully warp it into something better something bigger that is able to reach more people yeah and in the long run i'm trying to be a mental health specialist who specializes in black mental health in order to help bring awareness and representation and diversity in that field because personally when i when i reached out for mental health services there wasn't a lot of representation and that's really important because i couldn't connect with my other therapists because they were not able to understand my black male experience through the world and when I did get that black therapist the first session we had we didn't even talk we just looked at each other in their eyes and they saw me and I saw them and just that was therapeutic in itself and I didn't we didn't even need to talk it was an unspoken conversation and there's that kind of magic that can happen just from there being present diversity so that is my long-run goal for the future all right. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I really want to thank you for making time to uh, share everything you shared today and for speaking with me. Okay. Thank you for having me.